First of all, we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 10, and then we're going to look at Luke's gospel, chapter number 14. Now, I will tell you that we are going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight, okay? We're going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight. Uh, I'm also going to warn you that this message may be a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. Come on, somebody say that's okay. Uh, you know, these are questions that were submitted to me. I did not preload this. This was a question that was submitted to me. And so, uh, granted that I'm able to cover all of these, I'm going to try to do my very best. Which, by the way, it's not, it's not too late. You know, I've already kind of got an idea of what I'm going to be doing. But if you think of something, uh, shoot me an email or a text or something. And uh, I might, might work it in, might not. But anyway, you can at least have a chance to do that. Uh, but tonight, we're going to continue on our You Asked For It series. Last week, we looked at trying to look at the Scripture and figure out, how do I know the will of God? I don't know if you uh, received anything last week from that message, but I sought to be as practical as I possibly could, looking at all of the practical areas of life plus the spiritual areas of life, you know, knowing the Word of God, praying, listening to spiritual counsel, uh, things of that nature, trusting uh, God's Word that's already revealed for us to kind of seek out and to mine out what God's will is for our life. But tonight, I want to uh, look at another question that uh, was formulated uh, from uh, a question that somebody asked me, and uh, I'll go ahead and give you the question, then we're going to read our scripture tonight. I wanted to tell you what we were ministering on tonight first. The question that was asked to me was, uh, Pastor, uh, is it possible that your family or my family can become an idol? Is it possible to put my family above God? And the question kind of came from, well, on the weekends, you know, we work all week and things of that nature, and we really just want to spend time with our family. And so I spent the last week diving into God's Word, and, and you know, I was not shocked, I don't want to use the word shocked, but I was surprised, I guess, at how many more scriptures that deal with this subject than I actually realized. And so tonight, we're going to deal with this redemptively. There's going to be a lot of grace involved, there's going to be a lot of things, because I'm going to give you the, the good, the bad, and the ugly tonight. But just like when you go to a good doctor, I'm going to give you a remedy. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, you go to the doctor, you get a diagnosis, you don't get mad at the doctor. Uh, if you go to the post office and you have a slip in your box and you have to go to the counter and they give you a certified letter from the IRS, you don't get mad at the sweet lady behind the counter. Hello. All right? So, tonight, let's look at God's Word and see what He has to say about it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. And then we're going to look at Luke 14, and then we're going to pray together. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. These are the words of Jesus. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. They should have that on the screen for you. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. 
He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that does not take his own cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. For he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now I want to look at Luke's gospel, chapter number 14. Jesus um, reiterates this, but uses much stronger language. Okay? Luke 14, 25 through 29. Here's what Jesus said. It says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me, now listen to this, this is tough. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you help us tonight with such a tender, uh, difficult to some, sensitive subject. Uh, tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would season my words with salt, let grace permeate my lips, and tonight, most of all, Lord, I pray that you would give us solutions to our problems. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Tonight, I'm answering the question, can my family become an idol? Uh, that's a, a, a very staunch question in light of the verses in which we read. Uh, Jesus had a lot to say about discipleship, those who would come after him and follow him and lay down, his li- lay down their lives. And you have to understand that everybody Jesus called, they had to sacrifice. They, had, they walked away from their comfortable places in life. And many of them leaving family business and leaving different things and, and, and followed all to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, I want to I talk about this a little bit because I think it's interesting. But I think, though, before we can do justice at delving into a subject that is seemingly so controversial, we've got to establish a couple of things, okay? First of all, the first thing we have to establish tonight is this, is what is an idol? And I think that if most of us have ever been out of the U.S., Maybe you've gone on a mission trip to Haiti or your family is from Mexico or maybe you've been into Africa or something like that. Then you're familiar with a lot of the little trinkets and the different religions and, you know, things that people worship or have as a part of worship. So we think about statues people bow down to. Maybe our mind goes to uh, when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar commanded Daniel and all of the Hebrews to bow down and worship him and he had erected a statue of himself. Maybe tonight we think of that when we think about idols. However, I want you to know something, that in our American culture, a lot of times those idols don't exist in that form. But friend, make no mistake about it, we do still have idols that we deal with. So biblically speaking, what's an idol? The definition of an idol, biblically speaking, is an object, a person, or a concept that is worshipped or giving excessive devotion and reverence 
in place of the one true God. Idols take various forms. They include statues, material possessions, false gods, abstract ideas and desires, or anything ultimately that takes priority and value in a person's life. This source for this definition comes not only from Merriam-Webster's dictionary, but also based on the contextual passages that we've, we're going to be looking at tonight. So we, we look at the question of what is an idol? So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to establish tonight is this. God loves family. You, you need to get that. The family is God's idea. He established it. He gave Adam and Eve that union together. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And here come along Cain and Abel. Praise the Lord. So they had them a little family. God blesses family. So I want to I want to balance. See, everything is in balance, right? You don't want to go too far to the left, too far of the right. But I want to balance this thing tonight to see what God says about this in his words. So let's see what God says about family. Here's a lot of scripture. I'm going to throw it at you quickly. Write it down or highlight it or Get my notes in the app and you can look along. Uh, First of all, here's what God says about family. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God tells us, he says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. God tells us to honor our mother and our father. Okay? Here's what else he tells us. Ephesians 5, 22 through 25. We're not going to read all of these, but Paul tells us, He says, husbands ought to love your wives as Christ loves the church and how he laid his life down and gave his life. Uh, Likewise, he said, wives, you ought to submit unto your husband as unto Christ. So the Bible tells us about parent dynamics. The Bible tells us about marital marital dynamics. Then he goes on and says this in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. He says, if a man does not provide for his own house especially of those of his own household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God says that, that listen, the, uh, the provider of the home, his responsibility is to labor with his hands and to provide the necessary means of the house. And so God takes it very serious, you see right here, neglecting your family, okay? He sees that. You should not neglect your family, Okay, here's another one. Proverbs chapter 5, 18 through 19. He tells, uh, Solomon tells uh, his children and those who read Proverbs, he says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. God wants you to have fun with your spouse. Somebody say amen. He wants you to have joy with your relationship of your spouse. And, uh, and here's another one. Proverbs 23, verse 22, it says, we're not to, to forsake. He said, listen to your father who, for, who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Uh, the Bible says a lot about honoring our elders, but especially our parents as they're aging, as much as we are able to, to be able to help them and not, not neglect them. Uh, after all, they helped us when we were little. So we need to help them when they need it if, as much as we can. But uh, in the light of those verses that we've just texted, I think we can come to an understanding that God is not against family. Uh, I could go a lot further. There's so many scriptures. Children are a blessing. They're a heritage to the, to the Lord and the blessing to those who have them. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. There are so many scriptures that talk about the blessings of family in the Bible. 
But tonight, we are wrestling with this concept of can my family become an idol? And I want you to know something that yes, God wants us to love our families. Yes, God wants us to provide for our families. But He doesn't want them to become an idol in our life. Yet for so many people though, they do. It's family first, period. Period. Family first, period. That's why church attendance across America is at an all-time low. Commitment across the board to volunteerism in ministries and churches is at an all-time low. Listen, there are four major idols that we wrestle with in America. There is sports. There's the idol of sexuality. There's the idol of family. And then there's the idol of money. Those are the four idols that we wrestle with the most in culture today. And if you hang around long enough, you find out that some of those run together. Some of those run together. And so uh, tonight we want to look at what Jesus is talking to us about so that we can grasp what he's trying to tell us. Because I don't know about you, I want my life to honor God. I want my life to honor God. I want, I want my, my family to honor God. I want my dealings to honor God. I want God to be honored in my life. And so tonight, I want to look at some of this with us and so we can look at it. Uh, in our passages tonight, Jesus is dealing with some strong, strong language. I want to focus on Luke 14. Luke 14's account. You want to throw that back up there. And I want to read this. This, this makes us um, real uncomfortable. It says, now when great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said uh, to them, if anyone comes to me and he does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Uh, and who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you attempts to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. Okay, back up to uh, that second verse there. Uh, tonight, when we look at Luke chapter 14, Jesus is using strong language. I mean strong language. The word hate is extremely strong. Now, Scripture has to interpret Scripture. Now, I gave you just a surface level of what Jesus and, you, and listen, I know Jesus didn't write the Old Testament, but uh, uh, Jesus is one of the Godhead, and the Bible is God-inspired. And so people say, well, Jesus didn't say that. Well, I mean, kind of. It depends on how technical you want to get. The Spirit of God inspired all of Scripture, and what we see is that God is pro-family. He's pro-life. He wants us to, uh, to manage our families well. Uh, but what we also see is that God does not want us to put our families before him. When Jesus uses the word in Luke chapter 14, uh, it says, he that does not hate his father or mother, Jesus is using figurative speech here uh, to get your attention. Because if you look up the word hate there in that passage, it literally means to love with such, such a difference. That your love of one thing in comparison to another looks like hate. In other words, in other words, okay, I love all of y'all. 
But I love this lady. I jump in front of an 18-wheeler for her. My love for her should look like hate compared to my love for y'all. Now, you may not agree with that. Jesus is the great shepherd. I'm just the okay shepherd. Hello. I love you. Now, listen. I'm, I'm giving you a, 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 uh, some hyperbole there to let you kind of see what I'm trying to say with a picture in a picture. God is trying to say that our love and devotion to him ought to make the love that we have for our parents and for everybody else, it ought to look like hate. We ought to love Jesus so much because, listen, when we love him first, it is the only way we truly can understand how to express love. How do I say that? Because God is love. God is love, and we cannot truly love the way that God loves until we fall in love with him. So listen, he's not telling us that, that, that we've got to hate our parents when we become Christians. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying we've got to hate our, our brothers and sisters or our kids, obviously. If he's telling us if we don't provide for them, we're worse off than an unbeliever. What he is saying is, is that our families should not come in the way of us serving God. Because when Jesus was calling the early disciples, what was happening is many of them were being called to leave their comforts. Many of them were being called to leave their employments. Many of them were called to leave what they had always known. Jesus said, if any man doesn't deny himself and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. You say, well, Pastor, but yeah, that was the disciples. Well, that's true. But how many people today don't follow Jesus because of their family? They don't. I've talked to ministers before who said, you know, I really feel called to the mission field, but, you know, I won't because of my family. I've heard, I've heard young people, 18, 19, 20 years old, their parents despise the idea of them going into the ministry. God called them, had a burning passion to serve God, and, and mama put the pressure on them, I don't want you to go, I don't feel good about it, da-da-da, and, and, and they didn't go. This is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about if you are going to follow me, you are going to have to give me your entire life. Again, not in the neglect of our family because I'm going to prove to you tonight from Scripture that if you will put God first, your family will fall into place. That's what the Scripture says. And so, we're going to look at this tonight. So, uh, if, if you're a note taker or you're taking notes down, I want to look, look at a couple of things. Uh, number one, these are things that I saw in Scripture, and I gave you a bunch of Scripture tonight already, but number one, I want to look at some signs of familial idolatry. H how can we know when we are starting to put our families in an unhealthy place in our lives? Okay, one of the first things that I saw and I came up with is when we're not committed to spiritual growth. We're not committed to spiritual growth. Um, when you go back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gives instructions to the fathers in the, uh, in, in the, children, the children of Israel. He gives instruction to the fathers on how they are to minister to their children behind closed doors. 
He says you're to speak the word in the morning, speak it in the noonday, before you, before you rise and before you go to sleep at night. The, the, you're supposed to be teaching your children the scriptures. But listen to me. If a person is not faithfully committed to church, they're probably not doing that at home. There's no commitment to spiritual growth. See, oftentimes, there's no commitment outside of church to prioritize spiritual growth because all of the efforts in the family is placed upon what the children have to do. Hello. Can't go to youth camp because little Sally has another camp. Well, I got a question. How come little Sally never has to miss cheer camp for youth camp, but she always has to miss youth camp for cheer camp? Hello? There's consequences that happen. Now, I want to I look. There's no commitment to local church fellowship. How do we know when there's signs of familial idolatry in a family? And I want to stop right here, and I want to tell you this. This is not a legalistic thing. It's a matter of principle, because we're not saved by how many church services we come to. Don't, don't miss the spirit of grace by what I'm trying to tell you. We're not saved by how many church services we come to. However, a sign that there is familial idolatry in your life is that as the parents of the home, as the grandparents of the home, there's no commitment to the local church fellowship. And listen to me, I don't mean to be rude, but unless you're working once a month, it's not commitment. If Sally only went to school once a month, she would flunk her classes. And I'm just picking on her because she's right there. Oftentimes, family activities and trips tend to take up the weekend and you ask people about it and they say, well, I only have, I only have the weekend. I, I only have the weekend. Now listen, Pastor Brad is not talking about your Uncle Joe, who's not a Christian, is in charge of the family reunion this, this year and he planned it on Sunday. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for going. It may be a good opportunity for evangelism. That's a one-time thing. You didn't plan it. I'm talking about when the, 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 the leaders of the home, the parents, the grandparents, the adoptive parents, whoever you might be, older siblings, the ones who are in control of the home. Listen, you don't have any stability in spiritual things because it's, here's what it goes. Well, we'll go to church if we don't go to the lake. We'll go to church if your uncle and them don't come over. We'll go to church if we don't have something else to do. God is slowly taking, not second place, not third place, he's below five on most people's lists. And so there's no commitment. It's a sign that there's something spiritually wrong in our family. Listen, we aren't legalistic, but listen, I will not apologize I believe Christians should be in church on Sunday. Even if you're visiting somewhere, family, go find somewhere to go to church. Uh, Bree and Neil, they just went on a trip. Y'all bless me so much. 
When, when Bree said we went to visit our old church back home, I was like, yes, it's awesome. It blessed my soul. Listen, uh, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, when John was caught up in the spirit and he saw the vision and he wrote the book of Revelation, he says, I was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. When Jesus resurrected, it was called the, the Lord's day. Listen, it's still his day. It's not your day. God expects us to give him like he expects us to give him the first portion of our finances. He expects us to give him the first portion of our week. There are exceptions. Not preaching legalism. Don't take what I'm saying out of context. Somebody will walk out of here tonight and they'll say, well, Pastor Brad said, if I don't go to church every Sunday, I'm going to hell. I didn't say that. I want to go on record tonight. I didn't say that. Jesus said, if your ox is in the ditch, you get your ox out of the ditch. The problem is, is when your ox is not only in the ditch, you put him in there every single week. It's a sign of a lack of priority in our life. So these are some things. Here's another sign of familial idolatry. You ready? When your smaller children are not interested in spiritual things. You know why? Monkey see, monkey do. How many of you ever were disciplined by a parent or a grandparent with a long switch or a tree branch? Come on, I was raised in the country. And you say, but you did it. I don't care what I did. You do what I say. Doesn't work. One person said it like this. What the, what the parents do in moderation, the children will do in excess. So if church is an option for you, it won't even be essential for them. Because every generation goes a little bit further. It's important for us to realize these things. You know, I'm so thankful. Like my grandmother, if you stayed the night at her house on the weekend, you were going to church on Sunday. I'll tell you right now, one thing that wasn't happening, I don't care if you came all the way from Michigan, which my family did all the time, because my great-grandmother's family was from Michigan. And my great-grandmother was living with my grandma in the later years of her life. If they came to visit on the weekend, you're going to church. My grandma would never stay home on a Sunday because her family was visiting. And I'm going to tell you why. Because she saw it as an opportunity to get her unsaved family in church. God, give us some grandmas like that again. We need it. There's a lack of spiritual interest in the children because of what they're seeing in the, in the adults, in the leaders. And it's a sign of familial idolatry. I'm going to give you some consequences tonight of this. And I told you, it's going to get positive. Trust me, it's going to get positive. Here's some consequences of familial idolatry in our life. One of those consequences, it's a strained relationship with God due to divided loyalties. You know, every person that I know, like I referenced a moment ago, like that young person who didn't go to ministry because his mama said, that one person who had a call to a nation and they didn't go because their family, 
all of those people are miserable. They're as miserable as Jonah in the belly of a whale. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And we can try to run from them, but they're there. And it causes this strained relationship between us and God. There's these divided loyalties. Listen, when we prioritize our families above God and we idolize our familiar relationships, our devotions and our loyalties become divided. We, we start getting our identity and, and, and our satisfaction in life from these things. Gives us a strained relationship. Here's another thing. It causes stifling of personal spiritual growth and dependence on God. Stifling of personal spiritual growth and dependence upon God. Family idolatry can hinder our personal growth and development. When we idolize our families, we oftentimes rely on them more than God. We trust them for our sense of identity, our security, and our fulfillment. You've got to understand something tonight. God gave us our families. He gave us our families. And as Christian parents, hopefully, whether you did it publicly in a church, I hope everybody does it privately, you pray and you give your life to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to raise these kids, to honor you. Help me to, to, to put them in a position like Hannah did, to be able to hear their voice. Listen, if they're at the ball field on Sunday instead of church, they're going to hear the coach's voice or the Lord's voice. Got to put them in the right place. Y'all are awful quiet. There was a day when I would have been shouted down by the elder saints for what I'm preaching tonight. It just shows how far we've fallen. The consequences of familial idolatry, stifling of personal spiritual growth, and dependence upon God. Hindered obedience to God, His calling, and His purpose for our lives. All those things happen when we choose to put things in the wrong priority. You say, okay, pastor, okay, then what's, what's the issue? What, what do we need to do? Well, the third thing I want to talk to you tonight is how to balance our faith and our family. We want to balance our faith and our family. It's essential tonight for us to acknowledge and appreciate the blessings that come from our family. Let me talk to you for a moment. You understand, the Bible says that when man finds a wife, he's obtained favor from the Lord. A good, a good wife who's a helpmate, who doesn't nag and doesn't fuss and who actually helps, which is what God has called her to do. When God gives a wife a husband who's not a deadbeat, who works and provides for the family and brings home the proverbial bacon, and he, he works and he's not lazy, is a blessing to that wife. Parents, whether or not the children may realize it, are a blessing to those children. There are times where, parents, where children, when they're young, they say hateful things to their parents when they don't get their way. I don't know if anybody has ever had one of your children say, I hate you or I don't like you, I hope you never do. Mine haven't ever said those strong of words, but they've made some expressions. 
That old saying, if looks could kill. But listen, you talk to a child who's orphaned or who's absent a parent in the home and they'll tell you, listen, parents are a blessing. Children. Grandparents are a blessing. So we got to recognize the responsibilities. Husbands should provide for their wives, their safety, their security, their covering. Fathers should provide for their children and for their families. And, and the atmosphere of the home should be pleasing. And, and, and it's, it's a God idea of this subject of family. We've got to understand that. But we've got to understand also the value of prioritizing our families for God. Can I tell you something? I hope you won't be upset with me. But do you know that something that your children will remember more than a baseball game, more than staying out of church for the whole summer, they'll remember when they're older. Mom and dad or grandma or grandpa prioritized having us in church. We were faithful. We were faithful. Listen, we all ought to be the type of people that except for work-related issues, if we're missing, people ought to think something's wrong with us. Like, but where are they at? They never miss. Never miss. Dependable. Faithful. Faithfulness, by the way, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But your children will remember saying, you know what? We're going to have prayer in our home. We're going to go to church. I don't know about you guys, but there's a little scripture in the Bible that goes something like this. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You say, Pastor, yeah, my kids are bad. You know what? Okay, they turn 18. They can do what they want to. They're an adult. But as for me and my house, if you eat my groceries, if you suck up my air conditioner, if I pay your cell phone bill and I buy your clothes, you're coming to church. I can't make you saved. I can't make you serve Jesus. But you're coming to church. I don't think you ought to force them, Pat. You force them to brush their teeth. I hope. You force them to put some deodorant on. I hope. They'll come arrest you if you don't force them to go to school. But how is it that we've become so lackadaisical when it comes to church or being committed? My goodness, man. Some of our families in our church that have teenagers, their teenagers don't even know what's going on in the youth group because they don't ever go because they got school events all the time. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with school events, but my, my thing is, is, is this. How come the coaches are never told no? How come the teachers are never told no? What we're teaching our kids is that God's stuff is not as big of a priority. Because contrary to popular belief, our children have a very small statistical probability of being a professional sports player but they have a 100% statistical probability of standing before God one day. 
And listen, you and I, you and I have the responsibility. Listen, parenting is a responsibility. And I just want to insert this right here. You may be listening. You may be here tonight. And, and maybe, maybe you say, Pastor, I blew it with my kids. Well, guess what? God gives you grandkids, and you can start with them fresh. You can't unscramble eggs. You can't go backwards. But we need to realize the awesome responsibility that God gives us to give our family. And listen, you want to talk about family time? But the best family time you can have is at church. It's important. We've got to balance our family with our faith. Giving God our families. Balancing our responsibilities, our devotions to God. It's important. Making this intentional, listen, watch this. Making intentional choices that are centered around spiritual things, it's important. Now, for me, it's not an issue. And you might say, well, that's what's your job. My wife will tell you I've not always been a pastor. Church, as long as I've been serving God, church attendance has always been important to me. In fact, I will tell you, I have quit more than one job and gotten other jobs when they moved my schedule and not allowed me to come to church. I have. This has zero to do with a paycheck. In fact, I don't even get paid to preach. I get paid to fix problems. Hello. I preach for free. I love this. But what I want you to grasp tonight is that we need to make intentional choices. So what does that look like? Well, for me it's not an issue. But for some of you, you may need to write on your calendar, church is Sunday at 10.30. Wednesday at 7. That way when somebody calls you and says, hey, what do you got going on Sunday? You can say, uh, I got church. I got church. What do you got going Wednesday night? I got church. See, if it's only something we do if we don't have anything else to do, then it's not in the priority of our life. Now listen, I want to I back up before I get ready to land this plane. I said it from the beginning. We're not saved based on our church attendance. People can get saved in the, on their deathbed and die and have never gone to church. Salvation is not hung upon church attendance. However, you cannot erase all of the Old and New Testament that show us that faithful, in the Old Testament, it was faithfulness to the temple. In the New Testament, it was faithful to the synagogue and to, to, to house meetings and small groups and prayer. You cannot erase the Old and the New Testament that tell us God's people are made to live in spiritual community. Jesus, as his custom was, was found in the Sabbath day. In the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, in the synagogue. Paul, as his custom was, was in the synagogue. Peter, the scripture says, as his custom was, he was in the synagogue. You know what a custom is? Custom is, is a system or a set pattern of, of things, thoughts, or ideas that are developed over time. Customs. Things that we do, people associate those with us. I think it'd be great if our children 
woke up on Sunday and didn't have to say, Mama, are, are we going to church today? Well, I don't really feel like it. Listen, you don't even do it for yourself, but for them. For them. Because, you know, God can get a hold of their life, change their life, and radically, radically, radically change family legacy by just one person giving their life to Christ. So let me wind this down. Question was asked, can your family be an idol? Yeah. If it's stopping you from obeying God, stopping you from tithing, stopping you from coming to church, stopping you from obeying what God's telling you to do, stopping you from doing those things. If you can't, listen, if you can't come to church because family, 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 listen, tell them to stop coming on Sunday morning. Tell them, come afterward. We can eat. Or better yet, come and I'll feed you. But we go to church on Sunday. Amen. Okay, I, I better stop.